He gave him a bump, feet out in front, the big save by Leonard. Closing to his right, puck goes around behind the goal. Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Polisar again down low, right side he shoots, knocked down, Theodore fires, and he scores! This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. First time this year that the Golden Knights will close out a season series against an opposition. We're still a week away from Thanksgiving. The Detroit Red Wings uh, enter the fortress to play the Golden Knights uh, to wrap up their two-game set. The Detroit Red Wings won the opener 5-2 at Little Caesars Arena 11 days ago. And uh, tonight, uh, the Golden Knights will try to get by with a, uh, a thinning roster. Uh, we don't know the exact status of a, a couple of players, but uh, we do know that uh, when it comes to uh, the COVID protocol, another player has been added to the list in Michael Amadio. Uh, still waiting to uh, to know about uh, Alec Martinez. I'm, he was placed on injury reserve, but that's only for seven days. Yeah. So it's retroactive to when, when he was hurt. So uh, in all factual relevance he could be playing tonight uh i doubt it but uh we don't know about him uh, he did skate the other day uh shea theodore uh was uh injured in mid game the other night uh, don't know about his status it uh, did not look good and we'll see about uh dodonov whether or not he can go after taking a stick and uh and being bloodied uh the other night so uh, that's uh the roster update uh amadio is out tonight for sure after being placed in COVID protocol Daniil Mirmanov has been recalled. Ben Jones has been recalled from the Henderson Silver Knights. Uh, see whether or not those uh, recalls are actual for needed players or uh, precautionary. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to, to clue in on the Golden Knights as they come out for warm-ups in this game, mainly because uh, you're looking at uh, what they're going to look like, and we don't have anything to really base this on. Ordinarily, we'd have morning skate. We'd have a practice. And right now, there's there's nothing to go on here for the Golden Knights. And I think that, you know, you go into this game, and, and if you're Pete DeBoer, you're looking for the right combination and uh, trying to figure out how to best maximize the roster that you have against the Detroit Red Wings team that is better than they were last year and and showing signs of improvement. But, as you mentioned a couple times, Darren, struggling of late. They've kind of gone through a, a roller coaster ride, Detroit. Good start, then a dip. They went to Canada for the road trip. Uh, Tyler Bertuzzi's not vaccinated, can't go to Canada and, and play, so they had uh, to play without their arguably best player to, to kick off the season. Uh, hit a, a snag there, came back, uh, were on a real roll when yep. they met the, the Golden Knights, and then uh, during this uh, road trip, uh, they've fallen back again and uh, had a disappointing performance uh, against uh, Dallas and Columbus before that. We'll see whether that carries over tonight. Uh, we should get uh, Thomas Grace tonight. They're flip-flopping. A real goalie rotation with uh, uh, Nedeljkovic uh, in that goal for the the Detroit Red Wings, but uh, looks like Grice will be the goaltender. He was the goaltender uh, against the Golden Knights against Laurent Brossois uh, back at Little Caesars Arena. Now, uh, Mark Stone uh, didn't appear out of nowhere when he came back, but he only skated in a couple of morning skates and came back. So that's I'm clinging to that type of reaction. Uh, from the injury, whether or not players can come back. Nobody's going to be rushed. Nobody's going to uh, play before they're expected uh, or healthy enough and get the doctor's clearance. The, the, the days of a player convincing 
the medical staff, no, I'm good, uh, even though they, they, they may not be uh, fully healed. Uh, those, are, those are in the past. But the, I, I do think the fact that Mark Stone didn't have that full practice because he even talked about it after his first game that, mm-hmm. uh, that he was kind of ahead of schedule. Uh, maybe, maybe next week or this weekend, uh, we'll see some some somebody back. I, I'm hesitant. I, I don't think it's going to happen, but it's one of those ones where, boy, like there's there's got to be a turnaround or or a swing in this thing soon. Yeah, and, and I think you kind of <clears throat> you you look at some of the timelines or, or the the believe timelines for for players, and you know as as Mark Stone gets back in the lineup, you you kind of have an understanding of of how long Jonathan Marshall is going to be out uh, in COVID protocol. Same thing with Will Carrier. Um, and then you, you start to look at the injuries, and pa- Max Pacioretty is probably getting to that point. He's where, five weeks right now. Where within the next seven to ten days, you would you would expect mm-hmm. to either see him on the ice practicing or getting close to to playing in a game. Just for reference, the four to six is like the the timeline for for that type of injury. Sure, sure. So so that's kind of where where your your thoughts go to, your your ideas go to, in terms of players that that should be relatively close to getting back into game action for the Golden Knights. Uh, until then, uh, you dance with the one that brought you, and that's what's uh, going to happen for the Vegas Golden Knights tonight against the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, Detroit trying to get back above 500. The Vegas Golden Knights searching for a 10th win on the season. Enter with a record of 9-7, and 5-4 at home. Uh, the home road has been uh, was difficult early on, but they've really played well uh, as of late and, and played a good hockey game the other night against the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, I'm, I'm convinced you play the same type of game that you did against Carolina the other night against that opposition, you're going to have an incredibly good opportunity to be on the positive side of the result tonight. Yeah, and I think there'll be a little bit more time tonight for the Golden Knights to, to get back, make reads, and make plays. And, and I think when you look at Carolina and just how incredibly strong they were on the forecheck, forcing Vegas into some plays, certainly – the, the Red Wings are going to forecheck Vegas, but it's just it, the pressure up the ice is not going to be the same as it was against Carolina. So the thought process, the 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 processing of the play should still happen quickly for the Golden Knights, but there'll probably be more time for them to make some plays. You know, you mentioned something earlier about uh, wanting to get uh, more offense going, want to get more of a push early on, uh, specifically. And I, I'm sort of looking at it from the other side, where Vegas has to do a, a better job of controlling the play and limiting the opposition to shots on goal. This is two straight games, Ryan, where they've allowed 40-plus shots. And that's that's really unusual for this hockey club. I will, I'm will i willing to absolutely buy into the to the idea that this is a, uh, a roster issue uh, and, and what's leading to the shots on goal more so than than a attention to detail uh, side of it. But leaning on, on that goaltending over and over and over again uh, will sometimes you don't have a choice. Maybe they don't have a choice right now, but I, I think that there would be a, a focus to to being stronger early in, in early on and being able to just have the puck more early on. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, obviously I want I want a quick start in terms of, of how the Golden Knights kind of implement their game plan and, and, and impose their will on Detroit. I, I want to see the Golden Knights with the puck in the offensive zone. I want to see the Golden Knights uh, forcing turnovers with their forecheck and going to work there. I don't necessarily want to see offense and 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 have that be at the risk of 
what this team should be trying to do defensively because I, I agree with you in that they're going to have to be stronger defensively. They're going to have to minimize the amount of chances that they are allowing the opposition to have, and they, they, they didn't do that for the last couple of games. Um, they're going to need to clamp down on that as best they can, but I, I do think that there's a balance between um, hunting down that first goal of the game so that you can really, really kind of get into into your structure um, instead of just opening things up and, and trying to, to turn this into a track meet. Now, they, they are doing what they should be doing de- defensively in the sense of doing everything they can defensively. Sure. They, they allowed over 80 shots the last two games. But this is a team that's at the top of the ranks in the National Hockey League when it comes to blocking shots. So without that sacrifice imagine that heap of trouble you might be in so there there's i think there's that part of it that shows you that there is real focus on there and there is following the game plan and there is sacrifice in being able to get into lane so i uh that's why i'm willing to give this just a it's more about who's out of the lineup and and the the talent difference between what they're able to ice and not just uh, not following the game plan. Well, it, it, it's just it's a different lineup, right? Like, we're, we're used to the Golden Knights holding on to pucks in the offensive zone. We're used to them being able to roll over one or two or three shifts in a row where they have the puck. And, and what we're seeing, I think, over the course of the, the last little stretch for the Golden Knights is opposition is able to spend time in the offensive zone. Vegas isn't, isn't playing with the puck as much as they're used to. And anytime that's the case, you're spending more time in your own zone. You're spending more energy trying to get the puck away. And then once you do, you don't have anything left. You don't have anything left to go into the offensive zone and and put that pressure on your opponent. So like, I, I, I don't think that they've been bad defensively or anything like that. I, I think the numbers bear out the way that they bear out simply because the Golden Knights aren't playing with the puck as much as they're used to. And that is... A, 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 just kind of a natural byproduct of the amount of players and the talent that those players have that are out of the lineup. Uh, announcers love to lean on uh, a term called a trap game, where you come off uh, a tough game and you might uh, be facing a, an easier opponent or a, an opponent that's down the standings from you. You're 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 looking ahead or you're you're still looking and enjoying the game that you just played, and you stub your toe and you end up losing a game that you're supposed to have a much better performance in. That's a trap game. Uh, Tonight is a swing game. Tonight's game and this result can give the Vegas Golden Knights an opportunity to have one of the great stretches at home through adversity in the franchise's five years. And it's right there for the taking. If you you don't have the positive result tonight, you, you fall to three and two, and you start thinking about what could have been, mm-hmm. and you, you're more about avoiding losing three in a row at home and having a three-and-three three home stand, and all that kind of narrative that, uh, that will swing into the conversation going into Saturday night against Columbus. So tonight, tonight can go just such a long way to making this group feel so much better about themselves the fan base, the management, the coaches, yes, but the players themselves, knowing that they would have won uh, four games in the first five of this homestand. This this is a pivotal game for me on, on mm-hmm. the homestand because, again, 
you look at this one, if the Golden Knights get it, they've hit my expectation for what I wanted to see, eight points out of the homestand, and then you have the opportunity to really, really get greedy against Columbus. This is a huge game for the Golden Knights, one in which I think you're going to get a really concerted effort early on in the game and throughout the game. I look at you know, needing your leaders to come and to come through for you, and Alex Petrangelo and Mark Stone. I'm looking at big games from those guys because all the question marks surrounding the lineup, you have game breakers in those two players, and and you're you're looking for those guys to, to kind of put the team on their back and deliver through this adversity. Nick Waugh might fall into that category right now too, yeah. with the way that he's played this year. Nick Waugh will play his 100th National Hockey League game tonight. He's, he's played almost 40 playoff games. Sure, yeah. Which is an extraordinary number. But because of the wonky season, the shortened schedule uh, two years ago and going to the bubble and going deep, and then last year only 56 games, he's played full seasons, but they just haven't been full seasons. Sure. But uh, tonight he hits the 100 game mark. You know, I, I would buy Nick Waugh doing something spectacular in his 100th game as a, a major reason why the Golden Knights would could win this one as as opposed to Bryce Harper winning the MVP. Really? Yeah, that, that at least has relevance to the game. How? They're the same thing. It's just a bunch no, of numerology and feelings. But you have a player in the game that has an impact on the game. Mm. as opposed to a guy in a different sport. I thought that, you were going to go with number 10 and 100 and how it's uh, divisible and fits no, in easier. No, 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 or I'm not like a like numerology that, guy. Uh, something like that. What Just, does, uh, what does uh, our good friend Nick Waugh have on the season two and six for eight? Yeah. Not 10. No. I but was, but I was, if he gets was, a couple of points, then he's – Well, if he, well yeah. that's the thing. If he has mm -hmm. a two-point night, then he's at 10 points, and it's his 100th game, and you can – See, now you're starting to and add things smell and what I'm cooking over here. I, I don't want to. Smell what I'm cooking over Not here? even a little bit. <laughs> I don't. Hey, if you're coming into the game, uh, looking forward to it. Detroit Red Wings uh, against the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, always special when the uh, the wing wheel roll into town. Uh, 2,997. Here's more numbers for you. 2,997 franchise wins for the Detroit Red Wings. They started back in 1927. Mm -hmm. They were first the Cougars. Then they were the Falcons. Mm. And the franchise then became the Red Wings. Um, I wasn't even aware that they had two names prior to the same franchise, uh, Jack Adams, part of those uh, those early teams, but they were the Cougars and then the Falcons. Uh, and 1927, Vegas didn't even have a post office when this franchise started out. Mm. The Hoover Dam hadn't even started construction yeah. when the Detroit Red Wings franchise started out. They are and old. yet, and yet, Vegas Golden Knights have a better record than them right now. <laughs> oh, one thing has nothing to do with the other. I know, I, but I'm 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 oh. trying to I'm trying to be super positive. No, I see that. You, you don't have to try hard. You're just a super positive guy. Yeah, Shane actually gets mad at me around you know, I, the office because I'm too positive. I, I wonder and you know your your positivity knows no bounds. What what would you have rated last night? I was thinking about that as yeah, I was, uh, I was driving home from uh, from from the golf. It, it would have been yeah, it probably been what's uh, what was the uh, number three like a habanero? Yeah, habanero. That's what I went with. Yeah, it just Chapman was the most positive. W what did he go with? He went ghost. Seriously, like a four? Yeah. 
How do you give a four out of that? Because I, I, I thought they showed a lot of fight. And, and the other thing was, like, like I mentioned, mm-hmm. Carolina's fourth-line center makes more money than Vegas's bottom six. And that, that includes Matthias Yanmark, who's making $2 million. Okay. I thought I thought they put up a good fight. Look, you know what? Right. The opportunity was there for them to take points, and unfortunately, sometimes you just got to tip your cap to a team that's better. Oh than no, you. I do. I I, I think that uh, that Carolina was full marks for that win the other night. Mm-hmm. Uh, Habanero, because you had you had uh, a COVID absence, you had a player go out with injury in Shea Theodore, and you had Dodonov who you lost, and that just that just spilled into the the bad feelings about the, the leftover taste uh, from from the game. But, no, I hey, that wasn't one where, where Vegas looks back and says they'd like to do this, this, and this differently. That was a team that won the game. And with all due respect to Carolina, who controlled large stretches of that game, Vegas, Vegas was great with their opportunities. The high danger chances to, to shots on goal, was one of the best ratios that they'll have all year uh, when it comes to great looks. But the winning goal the other night bounced off the Donov skate and then yeah. right to the player and in. Breaks, you make your breaks and, and so forth. But there wasn't a breakdown uh, when it came to to that game. So uh, I, I went right. I, I would have went right in the middle yesterday. That's, that's the correct take. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Were, were you thinking that I would be a, a little bit like lose my perspective? And then, then you wouldn't be able to take me seriously on the ratings anymore. Um, no, I, I haven't been able to take you seriously on the ratings for a while. Now. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think you've never told me this. Well, I, I've, yeah, he I've has heavily implied it, but he's never like put it into that type of straightforward answer. I mean, like the the beautiful thing about the ratings is that it's it's one it's one opinion, right? Like mm-hmm. we we've got three of them on the show and usually two of the three are, are correct and one is a little bit all over the place. And to, today or yesterday through sunshine eyes. Um, you and I had the correct take and Chapman was wrong. So uh, it's good. Where are you going to email in? You won't be on the show tomorrow because uh, you're celebrating your son's birthday. Yeah. Are, are you going to email in or text or fax in your your rating? Why don't you fax in your rating? I don't have a fax machine. Come on, go to uh, go to Staples. They've I'm got not, them there. I'm not doing that. Do you have a Staples impromp? No. Do you have uh, any type of office store impromp? FedEx Kinkos. FedEx no. Kinkos. No. How about a UPS? No, no, no. We you barter. Must, you must have some <laughs> kind of thing. Oh, you barter? You just trade trade supplies? Yeah. Yeah. You trade. Why don't you trade a chicken? No, no, no. For like you have for no, sending in your you, you your have, game rating. You have no idea how valuable the chicken the uh, the chicken eggs we we uh, we get every day are. You ever uh, figure out what came first? No. Even with like, even with many, them, many, even many, with them, even well, with all those chickens, you, you still can't we, figure it out. We got the eggs first. Jeff doesn't know. We got the eggs first. If that like if it means anything to you, like we got the eggs. Oh first, well, that's then see, we hatched see, out the chickens. See, that, as, so there as, you go. as a farmer. In, in terms of our flock, yeah, the eggs came before the chickens. Are they a flock? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is that what you call a chicken group of chickens? Yes. Oh. Did not know Most that. birds are flocks. I know, but sometimes there's a gaggle of geese. Well, yeah, we don't have geese. No, or but a I'm, I'm, like, it's a bird, though. Well, what would be what would be the appropriate thing for a chicken? Like, if you're going to throw out a gaggle of geese, you have to have thought about what you would have a grouping of chickens be. I don't know. That's why I'm. Uh, that's why I'm throwing it out there. My uh, favorite is always crows. What they call a group of crows. It's a murder. A murder. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, why is murder cool? Well, it's just a, a murder of crows. I mean, and and like when you when you think of murder, <laughs> I, I don't go to murder. Hey, man, of that's crows. awesome. Uh, yeah. Why would you think like something being called murder would be cool? Well, it's just it's just a. The, the fact that, that crows are kind of associated with, like, Edgar Allan Poe, even though it was a raven. But I think people confuse crows and ravens. I couldn't tell you the difference. But uh, oh, flock. I, I, I think it's cool. And, and a parliament of burrowing owls is cool, too. Chickens are a flock. Yep. Or a brood. Or a peep. <sighs> yeah, a brood. Or a clutch. A brood would be interesting. But I, I like flock. I keep it. Keep flock, it, uh, brood, peep, easy. or clutch. How about... Let's go check the clutch of chickens. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to do that. An ostentation of peacocks? Brood is okay. Like, I like brood. Mm-hmm. Is, is brood cool, Chapman? Yeah, yeah, Very that was, cool. that. yeah, brood is cool. But your, your is it insinuation as cool as that murder, murder no, is cool is no. not, well, is no, not, I, I, does not I, sit well with me. I think it's cool because, like I said, it, I, I associate it with Edgar Allan Poe, who is one of the greatest American authors of all time, and... He was a cool guy. Like you're, he, he, you're, you're a big Poe guy, huh? I, I enjoy Poe. Cask of Amontillado is one of my favorite stories. This is why you are not allowed to talk until the end of the show, and a strict violation of. Uh, well, you asked me. Right you asked a, me. That is a brave, brave title for mm. one of his stories. The yeah. Cask There's, of Amontillado. Yeah, yeah, there are so many ways you could mess that up. Dozen games in the National Hockey League tonight. We'll bring you up to date in the Out of Town Scoreboard. What's happening in the early games? Also. Some news and notes from around the National Hockey League in one-timers. Coming up next on Fox Sports Las Vegas. On to the near wing. Big shot. He scores. It's time for one-timers. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day. And it's a tie hockey game. On the BGK Insider Show. Sneaking up on American Thanksgiving, that's the point where uh, teams usually use as the first gauge as to uh, whether things uh, need to be changed need to be tweaked uh whether the roster is underperforming this year because the season started a little bit later it really should be the first of december uh, when you start making uh, your evaluations on clubs but that started early when it comes to wins and losses and performance for the vancouver canucks uh, things are ugly there and they hit the uh, feverish pitch last night with uh, the fan base at the arena in uh, the lower mainland uh, announcing uh, their displeasure with the way things are going ended up uh, being another loss for the vancouver canucks uh, last night and today the general manager jim benning held his first media availability uh, since uh, the start of the season and it wasn't pretty he said he's uh, evaluating every part of the organization including head coach travis green said that uh, that they're looking and, and travis green is the the real focus of the fans with jim benning being the next uh sort of line of uh of sight for the for the real uh people that are hardcore uh fans are wanting some change because they're not very good right now uh, but benning said he's talking to the uh the coaches he's talking to agents trying to get an idea of where the players minds are he's talking to other general managers uh, discussing trades and different changes uh, they can make, but uh, but for a team that that turned over a third of its roster, it looks like a team that's turned over half of its roster, and the synergy isn't there, which is strange because we just watched a team in Carolina that flipped over 50% of its players from last year, Ryan, and they're surging, they're going great, and Vancouver took on that. Uh, somewhat controversial trade with 
with Arizona and, and some other moves, uh, moved uh, Nate Schmidt off to Winnipeg. Like they, they've got nothing going in their right direction. Yeah, I mean, Vancouver's interesting because, uh, like, you look at some of the moves and, and the pieces being brought in. I, I like Connor Garland. I think Oliver ekman Larson uh, has has uh, some good years left in the NHL. I, I look at Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson, and, and, you know, my argument there would be get them signed earlier. Get them signed, get them in camp earlier, and maybe they're not going to have a slow start to the season. Um, that, to me, is a, is a Jim Benning issue, not a... Travis Green issue, not a, a, a player issue. Um, it, like, I, I don't know. I, where does the blame fall for a team that is having chemistry issues and the construction of the roster is is not yielding wins? Um, I don't feel like it's on the coach. I, I feel like this one's on uh, the general manager and how he constructed the team. And, and right now, it, it looks like the team's just not very good. Missed the playoffs in five of Benning's seven seasons yep. there. And uh, I know Travis Green is, uh, like, he was the focal point last night with a chance in the ring. But I would probably say it's it's 50-50. I, I wasn't, like, Connor Garland, I think the world of. I think he's a great player, and I would take him on my team every time. Yep. I think that was, uh, that was a good part of that deal. I was not interested in, in Oliver ekman Larson, OEL. Uh, but then Nate Schmidt really struggled in Vancouver, and he's all world right now in, in Winnipeg. Uh, you, you see Elias Patterson just, I don't think that's a training camp problem. I think this goes back, and, and there's something, whether goalies have figured him out, and he's got that off-wing shot that he likes to go short side, and he's not getting it off quick enough, and he's certainly not finding the spot. Goalies are just, they're, they're reading it before he even lets go. So I think he's going to have to change his game massively uh, to, to try and turn around his individual performance. And right now his individual performance is tied really strongly to the team performance. Yeah, I mean, with with Pedersen, he he doesn't seem like a confident hockey player right Did now. Did you he, notice him at all no, here? No, I didn't. And and or let me let me rephrase that. I did. I noticed him moving pucks to other players in in opportunities where he should have been shooting. Like he is, he has no trust in his game right now whatsoever, and that's a problem for the Canucks. It, that was staggering his performance against the Golden Knights yeah. here on the weekend. Ryan Ellis is expected to be out four to six weeks with the Philadelphia Flyers with a lower body injury. Flyers off to a great start to the season, but uh, but that's another uh, extended issue uh, around the National Hockey League and with the defenseman. Four to six weeks could be a broken foot. It seems to be the, the going trend uh, right now. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but uh, they're looking uh, right now uh, after the, the holidays, the new year, uh, for Ryan Ellis uh, to be back, which is disappointing. And Ryan Pulak, he's also out uh, four to six weeks with the New York Islanders. He'll miss the opening of UBS Arena across from the racetrack. Yeah, I'd be I'd be sour about that. Like I, you're you're on a 13 game road trip. You finally get to to open the new building and and you're out with uh, with an injury. That's that's unfortunate and. You know, for the for the Islanders, it's going to be interesting be, to see how they respond to being home, and how quickly they can start to build on on some positive momentum because they're going to need to to make up some ground. 
from where they finished that 13-game road trip, and it's going to be harder to do without Ryan Pulak in the lineup. Islanders dropped the last two games of that 13-game road trip, 5-6-2. Uh, and two. Pulak uh, blocked the shot. Uh, that's where he was injured the other night against the Tampa Bay Lightning. They will open up their new UBS arena on Saturday night against the Calgary Flames. You know, it, was, it was the Islanders and the uh, Flames that opened up Nassau Coliseum. And now they're just uh, repeating it uh, over at, uh, at UBS Arena. Billion dollars, again, one of those billion-dollar buildings uh, for the <laughs> the National Hockey League. And this uh, this building was was built for less than half a billion, mm -hmm. under 500000 I don't know why I have to explain that and say that out loud. I'm pretty that sure you know what a half a billion is and, and 500000 I don't I struggle. said it for Jeff. Jeff. Jeff struggles with the math. No, I don't struggle with the math. Neither does Jeff. Jeff, no, you, you're okay. You know, you know who you Jeff. said it for. I said it for, for, for Jeff. He's not even paying attention right now. No, he I'm not. He has no idea what I'm talking about. Troy I'm... Brower retired from the National Hockey League uh, after 14 seasons. He he last played in 2019-20. What's with all the players announcing their retirement months, if not years, after they last played? Is it a pandemic thing? I don't know. Like, like didn't they, didn't want to announce it in in the shortened season. Well, so Dion, Dion said that it was Brendan Shanahan's idea to announce it uh, when he was back in and around Toronto because he was a former Toronto Maple Leaf captain. Oh, okay. Yep. yep. Uh, like, I like Dion, but his his tenure as captain wasn't exactly what I go down as one of the great stretches in Maple Leafs history. There was a. So you know how players salute the fans mm -hmm. after every game, after yeah. every win? Yep. Well, uh, there was uh, one night where the players were so ticked off, like jerseys were being thrown on the ice. And there, for a while, there was waffles being thrown on the ice. Never understood the waffle person, but they would throw waffles on the ice. Weird. Uh, but the players were so ticked off, they didn't salute the crowd. <laughs> and it was a major issue with the organization and the fan base. Well, that was under his, like, he, he admits that was that was a missed, that was a big miss on his behalf. But I, I, that was, I'm, I, I don't, I mean, I, I get why from an organization standpoint, you don't want that. And, and I get why fans would be upset about it. But you reap what you sow in that situation. Like, if you're going to throw jerseys on the ice and then you get a win, you can't just expect that the players are, are going to, are going to feel that that endearment to you in that moment. I, I like I get it. I understand why it would be contentious in the moment, but I don't necessarily disagree with that decision. That might be the nastiest thing you've ever said. I it's it's pretty disrespectful to throw jerseys on the ice and, and debris on the ice because you're upset that, that a hockey team that wasn't good isn't winning games. Somebody threw a sweater on the ice there this year already early that's, on this season. A, it's an interesting market. That's uh, yeah, but uh, anyway, <laughs> I, what, what's with players doing it? You think I, it's pandemic? I, I, I mean, that's the only thing that I can I can think of. I, I, I mean, and and I, I don't mean this to to be disrespectful, but when we talked about Dion Phaneuf and and now with Troy Brower, like my initial thought was, I thought they already were retired, right? Like, I, I. Mm -hmm. I don't. Yeah, I'm, I, I. It's kind of perplexing to me that that we're you know months to a year since their last games, and and now it's an official announcement. But 
I, I mean, I, I don't know. Get them on the chirp. It, Ask them. It used to be. I want. I do, uh, but I want to get him on. I want to have him and Alicia on at the same time and uh, and have some fun uh, going back and forth. So I'm just trying to set that up. Actually, well, I, I mean, to, we talked about it today. Just get get your people in touch with um, his people and her people and do your thing. I don't. Uh, I don't know Alicia at all, but Dion, I can. I can. I can work on. Hey, remember that whole thing with John Tortorella? Telling Connor McDavid which, to, uh, yes, to, yes. to shut up. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of things with John Tortorella, but yes, I do. So I he, do. he said, uh, "Shut up" when it comes to complaining about not getting penalty calls. Well, Connor had a response. He did, and he was asked about it today. And McDavid said, "I guess I just gotta shut up about this," and then didn't answer the rest of the question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good for him. But that's. That's about, he's, he's like you, that's about as salty as Connor gets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I thought it was kind of a perfect response from Connor McDavid. Um, at, at some point, you know, referees will call the rule book when it comes to Connor, but, you know, I guess he's still got to uh, pay his dues in this league, you know? He's still an up-and-comer, still, mm-hmm. still a young guy, has to earn those calls uh, over time. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe when uh, Connor's got like a 1,000 points, in, in two years, like then, then maybe he'll get the calls. But I, I mean, th- there's, there's, there's no way Connor McDavid playing at the level that he is, at the speed that he plays with, isn't getting obstructed or or having uh, something happen to him nearly every shift that he has. And I'm not expecting, I'm not looking for a call every single time he touches the ice. That's unrealistic. But at least, at least make it honest. And right now, it just it just feels like no matter what Connor McDavid does within a game, he's not getting calls. And whether that's because there was a complaint well, how many about penalties, it, can he call in one game or draw in I one mean, game? Like, don't don't take penalties against him. You can't do it. He's his skill set is such that you cannot defend him without obstructing him. So if if you're telling defenses go out there and obstruct them, we're not going to call the penalties, then he's going to skate through mud every single time he's on the ice. So he's being penalized, legitimately penalized, because he's better than everyone else. Yeah, well, That's ridiculous. Welcome to life. Uh, the uh, Just to, to steal a little bit from, from my friend Gary Lawless, who will be on Lawless in order tonight, one of the best percentages for drawing penalties in the National Hockey League belongs to Jack Eichel. Mm. Uh, he'll break that one down during the second emission on the teeth and hair side on the AT&T broadcast. Uh, but that's, I, I didn't realize that. So there's positiveness because Vegas has kind of been in that. There's a couple of games where they, they drew some penalties, but by and large, it's two or less during the course of a game. They don't, they don't draw a lot. Uh, Pete, I think it was Pete that said last year, uh, uh, maybe he's, uh, Maybe they're too honest, like they don't yeah. they don't uh, dress it up or not, and nobody wants to see that. Uh, players uh, flipping their their heads back and stuff. But uh, Jack Eichel, when he gets in the lineup, has a has a penchant for doing that and drawing penalties. So that's good for the Golden Knights, obviously, and and you know for uh, for Connor McDavid, maybe once he's he's kind of established himself in the way that Jack Eichel has, he'll he'll get some calls. <laughs> You're being uh, snidey there. Uh, yes. I wonder how, like, the other part is Edmonton's power play is almost 50%. Okay. If it if it's a penalty, call a penalty. 
Like, that's all I'm saying. It, again, Connor McDavid and his skill set should be leading the league in penalty in in getting calls. It, you, there's nothing you can legally do against him. So you gotta muddy it up. You gotta you gotta play him that way. And he's not getting calls. And he's not gonna get calls in the regular season. He's not gonna get calls in the playoffs. And the the Edmonton Oilers aren't going to have any power play opportunities in in their their, their playoff series. Like that's just what we've come to expect. Uh, you mentioned the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, this is a different topic, but uh, in relation to Tuka Rask, mm-hmm. uh, that got out there this week. I'm not saying you started it, but uh, but it was a popular conversation earlier this week. The leading opinion is that he'll play for the league minimum for the Boston Bruins. Mm-hmm. Uh, the price may go up for somebody else, but it it more and more and more and more. Sounds like it's Boston, or he may not play this year. But but Edmonton appears to be out. That's a bummer of, of the uh, conversation. Just I mean, like it's probably a good thing for this division and the Golden Knights specifically. But um, you know, for the Edmonton Oilers and their desires to win a Stanley Cup, uh, that's a bummer. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think that's a big win for uh, for everybody in the Western Conference. Sure. That uh, that Tuukka Rask has, uh, has basically let everybody know that he's he's not coming. Uh, he wants to stay in and around that area, mm-hmm. and preferably. Uh, be a big bargain for the Boston Bruins. Those are your one-timers. It's uh, Detroit against Vegas. One-timers for this Thursday, November. Uh, we have tickets to give away. I don't know whether that was on the air or not. Uh, he, he. It's the most bizarre thing, people. He's talking to me, <laughs> but he's talking to me like he's on the air, not like he's the producer talking in my ear. Uh, so I can't tell whether he's actually on the air. We're talking about Chapman. We have two days to the Edmonton Oilers game, November 27th. If you call right now and you are caller number 25, uh, be the lucky caller to what number, Ryan? 702-876-1340. 876-1340 with a 702 in front of it. Uh, be the lucky caller right now, and you will be coming to T-Mobile Arena to see the Edmonton Oilers play. Catching up with Chapman if he's done talking on the phone. Uh, right after this. When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman. Go, Christopher. All right, well, I'm going to add something, and then I'll give, you, I'll give you my Catching Up with Chapman. You mentioned earlier in the show that the Golden Knights have never beaten the Red Wings at T-Mobile Arena. Yeah. Should also be noted, they've only played them twice at T-Mobile Arena, of course, the third time they were supposed to come here was in March of 2020, but the season was paused, so they never made that trip. And, of course, last season, they never played the Red Wings because of the the different divisions. So only the third trip that the Detroit Red Wings have ever made to T-Mobile Arena. Last time was March of 2019. It was a 3-2 loss for the Golden Knights in overtime. You're the only person that eats into their own time. No, I. you said I, I can add to the show, and, and that's yeah. what I'm doing. But, okay. yeah, so... I know you're getting ready to go to Beijing for the hockey tournament. Are you prepared to maybe not see China play? Because it was reported yesterday from NBC Sports that the team that China has assembled is so bad that the IOC might actually pull them out of the Olympics and replace them with Norway, who is the highest-ranked team that is not currently in the men's Olympic tournament for the Beijing Olympics. Yeah, I could probably get by that. China was ranked, or they are ranked, 32nd in the world. Norway ranked at 11. So uh, should be interesting to see. Apparently they put some players in with um, the Chinese team 
I think they're called Yunlan Red Star, who play in the yeah. KHL. Yeah, and yeah. they they were down 4 nothing in the game. They came back and actually tied it up before they lost in overtime. But uh, It's not unprecedented. Uh, I, I've heard it happen in high-level tournaments before. Uh, Junior Memorial Cup in Canada. They they've taken the the host team out of the tournament before because they were so bad. Yeah, well, and the, if you remember the last Winter Olympics, which was in Pyeongchang, South yeah, Korea, that, yeah. they combined the North Korean and South Korean teams to form a unified Korean team. Now, I I don't know how many players that was for the women's tournament, wasn't it? Was it for the women's? I I, I maybe it was, but I I don't rem, like I don't know how many players from North Korea were actually on the quote unified. Well, Korean Norway team? should be in the tournament. I they know they should. Didn't, didn't qualify, but that's... And it, uh, it would be kind of cool. Matt Zuccarello would probably be the uh, star player for Norway. He was a force in 2010 in Vancouver. The Zookster. Yeah, he's good. Him. Good player. Uh, I like Matt watching him. Well, Chapman, uh, safe travels over here to T-Mobile Arena. I uh, hope that uh, they make it all right. You won't be able to get into our section because uh, of the high security with your picture uh, distributed to all the uh, the personnel. Oh, I, I, I like uh, where I sit. I, I sit with a good group of people, so I have zero interest in heading over to, uh, to sit Ryan by Ryan Wallace is coming up uh, with the pregame show, Detroit Red Wings and the Vegas Golden Knights in a matter of moments. Face off just after 7 o'clock on Fox Sports Las Vegas and the VGK Radio Network. Uh, Vegas trying to make it four wins and five starts in this six-game homestand. We'll talk to you tomorrow on the BGK Insider Show. Thank <laughs> you.